Praise God. In every language, in every culture all over the world, the, the, the term hallelujah is pronounced hallelujah. Praise God. In some places, Jesus is pronounced Yezu. But hallelujah is always hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And it means praise ye Jah. That Yah at the end is Jah, the ancient name for Jehovah. I'm going to talk to you today about the threefold focus of faith that received. I want to make a statement first. The reason we're not moving on from this is because God wants to answer prayer. Because He loves you. Number one, He loves you. For the good of His people. And for the glory of His name. Everybody say the glory of His name. When we prayed for you who they felt had an irregular heartbeat for the stress test and how it was going to come out, the testimony was, but when we prayed for you, I'll tell you what I saw in the Spirit. I told my wife about it. I saw like a grandfather clock with a pendulum, and I could hear it ticking in perfect rhythm. Tick, tock, tick, tock. And they're looking for an irregularity in the heartbeat. And the last thing they're expecting to hear on a stress test is tick-tock, tick-tock, a perfect rhythm. Amen. And so once I saw that in the Spirit, I didn't see a vision, but in my spirit I saw that. And the Lord said, tell him it's going to be like a clock ticking. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Now, if it isn't God or you're just blabbing out things and the Spirit don't prompt you, you're going to get out on a limb because if he'd come back and said, boy, it looked like I'm going to need an uh, open-heart surgery. I'm going to need a, I'm going to need a uh, uh, pacemaker. I'm going to need because, boy, when they put me on that stress ted, uh, test, I, my heart went into palpitations. I fell off the thing, and they had to revive me and thought they was going to lose me right there on the floor. Well, that wouldn't have been a very good testimony. To the faithfulness of God or truthfulness of what was spoken by a man of God. But he came back in and said, it was perfect. And if you have a perfect stress test, then the rhythm of your heart is tick-tock, tick-tock. So we just have a tick-tock thing going on. Amen. Has nothing to do with hickory dickory or dock. Can you say amen has everything to do with God and his faithfulness? You're going to get an echocardiogram this Wednesday. Amen. Stretch your hand toward our brother right now. Let's come into prayerful agreement. The Bible said whatsoever things you desire. In fact, Jesus said it's in red letter. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. This is the point when faith is released. Father, we believe right now. We pray in the name of Jesus for a good report. If there's anything wrong, we pray you will fix it and that the electrocardiogram will show a heart in perfect rhythm, a heart that is beating strong, a heart that is the kind of heart that will, will give the body everything that it needs to be healthy and, and active and fruitful in the name of Jesus Christ, we believe you for it right now, and we thank you for it right now, in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen, and amen, glory be to God, you see the needs are great, God wants to answer prayer, in fact, he is the one that initiates this call to 
answer prayer. I, I love the way God talks in His Word. He's taken the initiative to get us to pray to Him and to trust in Him. Psalm 50, verse 15, and He says to, to give Him thanksgiving. Would please Him more than an ox or a bullock or any kind of other offering. The, the chief offering that God honors is the offering of thanksgiving. If you want to know more about that offering, sometimes study the thank offering. There was a meal offering and a drink offering and the offering of the doves and the offering of the, the bullock and the offering of the lambs. But there's a thank offering. Every other offering was prescribed for a particular thing. But the thank offering was to be given without prescription. Any time you were grateful for anything that God has done, you would bring Him the thank offering. And so He said, Offer unto me thanksgiving. And then call upon me in the time of trouble. Isn't that good that He's not aloof in His heaven and we've got to get His attention? That He cares about us and He wants to answer our prayers. So He says, And call upon me in the time of trouble, in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. And thou shalt glorify me. Have you heard Him being glorified this morning because of His faithfulness? Amen. Did someone get help that they needed? Did God get the glory that He deserves and desires because of giving that help? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it's vitally important that prayers be answered. Someone said prayer is the capital stock of heaven by which He carries out His will and purposes upon the earth. Amen. He calls upon people to pray. He calls upon people to intercede. When He's set to bring judgment on the land, before He brings judgment, He looks for an intercessor to pray. He looks for someone that will pray. He said, and I sought for a man. Before I brought judgment to execute justice, I sought for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. But I found none. Therefore, I had to bring. I was obligated to bring the judgment. But he said, in my heart of hearts, I wanted to give a space for repentance. I wanted to pardon sin if it was repented of. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That God said, before I will send judgment, I will look for someone to stand between me and that person. I love the fact that Jesus is called our advocate in the New Testament. We have an advocate with the Father. And He intercedes to the Father for us. And He doesn't do it from heaven, from earth to heaven. He does it in the throne room of God Himself. Hallelujah. We have an advocate with the Father. Personal representative with the Father. Amen. Hallelujah. So prayer is powerful, potent stuff. But when we do not believe when we pray, we're not utilizing the power and privilege of prayer. When we pray and worry, we obviously didn't believe when we pray. Because if we believe when we pray, there's no reason to worry. You throw that logic out, that illogical, it's illogical spiritually to worry after you pray. So, didn't, the, didn't the Bible say in everything? With prayer and supplication, let your request... Listen, didn't start with that. He said, don't be anxious about anything. 
literally, if you want to take it in plain terms, pray about everything and don't worry about anything. Now, I've been working on this for over 40 years. Amen. Because I, I'm not a worry wart, but I'm a fix-it person. I want God to fix it, or I want to fix it, or somebody fix it, but for heaven's sakes, let's do something about it. Can you say amen? I'm kind of like the old southern boy that says when you're up to your neck in alligators, there's no time to discuss draining the swamp. Can you say you need some help and you need it in a hurry? But the Bible said we're to pray about everything. And we're not to worry about anything. And here's the scripture. In all things with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And immediately, if you believe Him when you pray, and that's the key. Not just praying and doubting, praying and worrying, praying and wringing our hands, but actually praying and raising our hands in praise. Sealing it with praise. Not walking the floor. And by the way, many great men and women of God with great faith are subject to worry. Jimmy Swaggart in his early days when he was powerfully anointed and going across the nation, he went into radio ministry. And the radio budget, before the television budget came along, became overwhelming. Because some people promised to give and pledged to give and then... As the letters do not come in after the pledge over the phone, then you realize that you've got, you got a deficit going on and you've got bills to pay and your ministry's growing. You've got a staff to pay. You've got to eat yourself along the way. And all of this begins to come down on you to take care of it. So he prayed about it and then he did what a lot of, a lot of us do. And our flesh has a tendency to do. He played, prayed and worried. Jesus said... And i got to read it to you before we go any further. Because this is crucial. This is not to put us down. This is to lift us up. But most of us are guilty of praying and waiting to see. Instead of believing when we pray. we got faith, but we don't use it when we pray. We're trying to build it after we pray. And what God told me to tell you and to me personally, build your faith before you pray so that when you pray, you can believe. Because whatsoever things you ask in prayer, believing, what's going to happen? Nobody knows what's going to happen. We're going to have to wait and see. No, that's not what Jesus said. I love the way God talks. He don't talk like mealy mouth preachers. They're apologetic because they're, they're afraid you're going to be disappointed when you pray and don't get an answer. Because they're praying and not getting answers. That's why there's no incentive to really pray. Statistically, the average minister in America prays 15 minutes a week. And yet the whole reason for getting help in church, according to the book of Acts, that we might give ourselves to prayer first and ministry of the Word. What we're giving ourselves to is crafting this sermon that's going to knock them dead. This sermon that's going to say, wait till they get a load of me. Remember the, who was it? Jack Nicholson? Batman? I know y'all are too spiritual to. Except for Doug. Amen. The Joker. It's okay. I'm, this is not a trick question. 
And he, he, he looks out and says, wait till they get a load of me. Well, they've done had a load of you, sir, ma'am, amen. They need, a, they need their eyes on Jesus. They need to know something about God. They need to listen to His teaching about prayer and answered prayer and faith. Amen. We, we, every time we mention faith and someone tries to explain it, they go to Hebrews 11 and what, verse 1. Now, therefore, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's not what faith is. It's what faith does. It's what happens when faith is released. Faith isn't substance. Faith brings substance when it's released and Jesus said whatever you ask in prayer believing when does that occur when does the believing part occur it occurs when you pray can I read that to you Mark 11 24 Mark 11 24 if Jesus hadn't said this I wouldn't dare say it but Jesus said it. I want, I want you to think about your prayer life. I've been thinking about mine. You pray, you stand on the Word. You pray, you bind the devil. You pray, you try to believe. After you pray, not while you're praying. I remember when Carl Strader did something way beneath his dignified church and his dignified suit and his dignified look, over six foot tall, wearing a tailored suit. He didn't look like a guy that was going to do what he did. But he was talking about fruit bearing and how Christians are trying so hard to do what only the Holy Spirit can produce within us when we trust God. And he said, I live in Florida like you people live. He said, it's... The season for the orange trees to bring forth their fruit. He said, I challenge you to drive by at midnight an orange grove. Pull over to the side of the road. Park your car. And listen. And see if you hear this from those trees. People in here that are without the joy of the Lord, without believing when you pray, trying to be good, you're trying so hard. Goodness is a fruit of the Spirit, not a fruit of your flesh. Trying to have peace. I'm not going to worry today. Hallelujah. Yeah, you are. You're already worried. You're uptight. We don't have no trouble with the Hittites. Amen. They were easily defeated when God blessed Israel. Amen. What's some other tithes in the Bible? The Hittites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. None of them could defeat them. But you know what threatened them? The uptights. Can you say amen? When they get worried sick... And worried to death and filled with fear. It don't take the Hittites or the Jebusites. It don't take giants 
any longer. When Sennacherib had been defeating city after city and ravaging it and, 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 and raping and pillaging and enslaving, came up with an army and surrounded the holy city while Hezekiah was king. The Bible said, And Hezekiah spake comfortably unto them. Oh, we need a message with some faith in it. We, see, we need a message with some hope in it. We need a message that exalts God above the circumstance. God above the giants. God above the problem. They were completely surrounded. They saw no way out. And so, Sinatra said, you know, you don't have to be destroyed. You don't have to be in, you don't have to let us kill so many people. You can just open the gates to me. Let me come in and enslave you. You can become my slaves, my conscripts, and, and, and you, can, you can serve me. You can become part of my uh, army to, to, to rape and kill and pillage other cities. Just open those gates. Hezekiah said, no. We've got a God who protects us. A God that we can call upon. We're not going to capitulate. So here goes the letters back and forth. It sounded like Trump and Hillary for a little while. The back and forth. So Sinatra sends a messenger. Listen to what the message said. He says, all the other cities that I have come up against called on their gods. They, they prayed to their gods. But their gods could not and did not deliver them. Neither can your God. First thing Hezekiah did, he spoke comfortably unto the people saying, With them, with them is the arm of flesh. With us is the Lord. See, God, our God is not a made-up God. Our God is the true and the living God. Our God hears and answers prayer. Our God has eyes that can see, ears that can hear, and a hand that can reach forth and deliver and set free. He distinguishes himself with power. He distinguishes himself with power. That's why fire fell, amen, from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. Let the God that answers by fire. Listen, get your mind off the fire for a minute. That's a byproduct of prayer that is answered. Because the fire didn't fall until a man did what God told him and then prayed. Can you say amen? And his prayer was about a paragraph long. It didn't take all day and all night because he was praying in the will of God for the glory of God. And God heard that cry. He answered that prayer. And here's the glory of that fire falling and that prayer being answered. Elijah, who prayed that prayer, who saw that miracle, was a man subject to like passions as we are. But he prayed. So it was not just prayer, but how he prayed. When he prayed, he had to believe. Amen. He prayed for rain to stop in the will of God to punish a king and to punish the people that were disobedient to him. And so the land dried up. But when God pardoned 
and he began to move in restoration for his people's sake. Not for the king's sake, for his people's sake. (laughs) Amen. He prayed again for God to open the heavens. And nothing happened. But he knew it was going to happen. So he sent someone to look for a sign of rain immediately. He didn't wait. He did something. And the man went out and said, I don't see anything. He said, then you better go look again. See, when you believe, you don't wait to see. You just keep on trusting God and looking for the answer. He went back, come back with a report, and said, I don't see anything. He said, then you better go look again. Well, he must have believed when he prayed. Amen. What do you do when you don't see anything? Do you keep a spirit of expectation and keep looking for the answer? How do you act? How do I act after I pray? Do I immediately begin to praise God for the answer? Or to say, I'm not praising Him until I see something. Until a change begins to come. And what the man finally saw when he sent him again, because he's going to keep sending him because he knew God heard the prayer, because God prompted him to pray the prayer. And he knew this is how God gets His will done in the earth, is by getting somebody to pray for it. Hello? God wanted it to rain. Why did He raise up a man to pray for rain? God indicated something that hadn't changed about Him. He wants to work in tandem with us. Amen. That's why power, prayer is so potent and prayer is so powerful. And why we get so disappointed, distracted, defrauded, and discouraged is because we don't believe when we pray. Because we haven't built our faith to believe when we pray. We pray and wring our hands. We pray and worry. Jimmy Swagger said all of, the, all of the pressure of meeting the budget fell on me. Sleep f- fled from me. I couldn't sleep at night for worrying about it. He said one night I was up and I was pacing the floor. See, he's asking God to take care of this, but he hasn't believed yet. He's waiting to see the answer. He's waiting to see the change. He hasn't believed yet. Until you believe, you're going to worry. You're going to open the door to fear until we believe. But once we believe, once we believe, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. Can you say, man? We need to not speak about what we see, what we feel, what the circumstances say. We need to speak what the Word of God says. And we need to speak according to faith in God's faithfulness. Hath He not said it? What are we worried about then? If we got a promise, hath He not said it? And will He not do it? Now, you're talking to a man that went through nervous exhaustion. I'm good at worrying. I'm good at getting stressed out. I know how it works. I lost my sleep too. It's kind of comical. He was walking the floor, he said, worried about all of these things. And he looked over at Francis laying there fast asleep, sleeping like a baby. And he said, it irked me. It bothered me. I got all this on me. 
and I am walking the floor and crying out to God, and she's laying there sleeping like a baby. It irked me, he said. He said, I wanted, this was in his honesty, he said, I wanted to go over and shake her and say, Francis, wake up and worry with me. As comical as that is, that is common to our flesh. Takes a worried man to sing a worried song. Amen. Amen. Well, worried people sing worried songs. And people with the blues are good at singing the blues. And there's too much blues being sung. Want to hear one? Bible said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as an eagle. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Even young men shall get weary and fall down. But not them that wait upon the Lord. I want to reinterpret wait to you. Wait doesn't mean take a number. Wait doesn't mean sit down and wait for them to call you. It doesn't mean being passive and inactive. The word wait in the Hebrew means to bind together by twisting. When you take three cords and you're going to make a rope out of it, you take them and begin to weave them together. You are very busy actively pursuing what you're doing. Everybody say actively pursuing what you're doing. Rhymes, don't it? So good, I'm going to say it again. Actively pursuing what you're doing. It means when you set yourself to seek the Lord, you don't unseek the Lord because you don't see or feel any result from seeking the Lord. Once you set yourself to seek the Lord, you actively pursue Him. You believe Him and you keep on believing Him. And you get what I call bulldog faith. I don't know if it's true about pit bulls, but his was so big I didn't want to test it. Can you say, man? I'm told if they clamp on to you, there's so much power in them clamping on that it's like a vice grip. You know how you, you twist it down, you clamp it down? When you clamp it down, honey, it's clamped. And you can't unclamp it. Amen. We need the kind of faith that clamps down. It gets a hold of the horns of the altar and doesn't turn them loose. Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray... Not after you pray, but while you are praying. That means that building your faith to receive has to precede when you pray. You don't wait till the crisis comes to start trying to build yourself up in faith. There's a lot of people that, that will come to church to hear the Word and to have prayer offered when it really gets bad out there. But it's going to have to get rougher than it is now before they'll do it. Before the church in America becomes a powerful, potent prayer warrior for Christ. It's going to have to get tough in America. The politicians are going to have to fail before the church wakes up. Because as long as they're taking care of us, we're not seeking God with everything within us. And he said, you won't find me until you seek for me with all of your heart. Can you say, man, there's a fervency that comes. How many know when you're praying over a loved one, you pray a little different than when you pray for a stranger? It's just the way that it is. It's just the way that it is. On the beach, true story, they pulled a young man, teenager, out of the water who got out too far, got caught in a rip current, but someone in a boat rescued him, but he had swallowed so much water he, was, he wasn't breathing when they got him to the shore. 
They yanked him out and a man in his 50s came running down and began to give him CPR. Continued to give CPR. No results. The paramedics come. And they said, we'll take over. And he said, no. I've got this. I'm a doctor. And I've got this. And he continued to give him CPR. The paramedics looked for any sign of life. They could see none. And they said, we believe that he has coded. We believe he's already dead. Sir, there's no need to continue. He said, you don't understand? I'm a doctor. And beside that, he's my son. I'm going to tell you, it's easy to give up and walk away when it's not your child, your family member. But when prayer gets fervent, and the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What makes it effectual? When you believe, it makes it have effect. Hallelujah. But when there's fervency, that means that there is love involved. There is compassion on who or what you're praying for. There is mercy. There's a heart to help. Everybody say a heart to help. And they backed off. And for four more minutes that seemed like hours, he continued to do CPR. And suddenly there was a belch. He turned him on his side and water come out of his lungs and out of his mouth. And <gasps> there was a breath of air. And he was revived. But no one would have operated on him like that except someone that loved him and felt this urgency to get him back to life. This sense of urgency will not come while we are sitting passive, waiting on the politicians to take care of our problems in America, and then getting so upset and disheartened when we find out they can't. Can you say, man, I'm going to tell you, nobody, no matter who gets in, they can't fix it. No matter if Billy Graham was elected, he can't fix it. And he'll tell you he can't fix it. I was hoping they'd elect me and see if I could fix it. But then you know what would happen? I'd be walking the floor bugging Pamela. Why don't you get up and help me worry? Amen? Amen. But if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. What is the wicked way? Is it those pet sins that we fail to confess? That's part of it. But the big part of our wicked way is any way that we are operating in apart from dependent upon the Lord. For whatsoever is not of faith, what is it? It's sin. Whatsoever is not of faith. In other words, if I'm not depending on God, then I'm doubting God. I'm refusing to trust God. I'm accusing Him of trust, untrustworthiness. Trust in man in the time of trouble. Some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we would trust in the name of the Lord our God. What is it about that name? The name of the Lord God defend thee. What is it about a name? 
Because names in the Old Testament showed a character. Amen? Esau. Anybody know what it meant? The hairy one? He was the red-haired one. So that's what Esau meant. Adam. He called man Adam. You know he was from Georgia. Amen. Because Adam meant red clay. Red clay. The name showed something unique about the person. And when we got when they begin to give names to God, he didn't name himself. People who trusted him, who proved him, and found out something about his unchanging person and character gave a name to him. Jehovah Sikinu. The Lord our righteousness. He, he, he grants righteousness when we believe Him. Hallelujah. And He grants righteousness to us when we trust Him and obey Him. Jehovah Shalom. They found out if I put my trust in Him, He will grant to me a peace that passes all understanding. So His name is Jehovah, but not just God, but God who gives peace. Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Sikinu, Jehovah Shalom. Oh, and he's a healer. Did I tell you that he's a healer? Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our physician. Can you say, man, the name of the Lord? It means knowing something about God that causes you to look to him and trust in him because you know who he is and what he's all about. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous do what when you know Him? Oh, they run into it and are safe. Which meant far above evil's reach. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's where the devil wants to get at you. (laughs) But he just can't reach you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The name of the Lord God of Israel defend thee. Some trust in horses and in chariots. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Jehovah Shammah. The Lord our banner. In battle he goes before us. You come to me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. He will give us the victory today, for He is the victor. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And faith is rising up the more they know God and know, know about God. The reason the children of Israel didn't have any faith to believe. The Bible said, the book of Psalms, they saw His miracles. Seeing and hearing about miracles gives you hope. Faith and hope are two different things. They had hope, and when they didn't see what they were hoping for, they doubted God, they accused God, they were unfaithful to God. They saw His miracles. They saw the Red Sea part, but it didn't help them in the wilderness. They saw water come out of a rock. But it didn't help them when they were on the threshold of Canaan's land. They saw their own shoes not wear out. Amen. They saw manna come down out of heaven. And they still went backward instead of forward. They tempted him in the wilderness. 
They saw all that he did. They saw his wonders. The Bible said, but Moses knew his ways. There's a difference in seeing wonders and know God's ways. God uses the improbable to do the impossible. What have you got in your hand? I've got a stick. I've got a rod. Stretch it out. Amen. Stretch it out. That's improbable. What is the weapon of choice that God provided? God provided for Samson. What was his armament? (laughs) He was anointed. He was appointed. He was at that time trusting God. And a thousand soldiers, well armed and well trained, came up to take him captive. And he looked for what God would provide for weaponry. And he sees a dried up donkey's jawbone laying in the sand. And he picks it up. But when he picked up the jawbone, the Bible said the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. (laughs) And he began to swing it (laughs) against a well-armed army of a thousand. This one man against a thousand and all he's got is a jawbone of a donkey. He don't even have a rocket launcher. (laughs) Can you say, man? We think we can't win unless God gives us a weapon as big as our enemies. Amen? We don't take into account God and anything gives you the edge. Whatever you, what you got in your hand? What have you got in your hand? What have you got in your hand? I've got this rod, then stretch it out. You do the thing that you can do with what I've given you. I'll do the supernatural. Can you, can you hold the stick? Can you stretch it out? Hallelujah. I'm not asking you to part the water. I'm asking you to trust me and do something. They that wait, actively trusting, obeying God, will mount up with wings as an eagle. You ever heard when the Lord gets ready? You got to move, you got to move, you got to move. We used to sing that until we were blue in the face. And guess what we did? We sat right there. We sat in our self-pity. We sat in our sickness. We sat in our defeat. We sat. Amen. We just sat. Instead of standing, we used to try to sing. Standing on the promises of Christ our King. And we got all excited about singing. Standing on the promises. In reality, we were just sitting on the premises. Going through the motions. Whatsoever things you desire. Who said that? Did I say that? Is this some religious group that people try to lump me in with from time to time? Throwing the baby out with the bathwater? Or is this Jesus? Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and we'll see what happens. Jesus don't talk that way. No faith could come from that scripture. And you shall have them. John 15, if my word abide in you, you abide in me, you will ask what you will and we'll see what happens. Because God, you never know how God's going to respond. He may, may not. Can't count on him for anything. That's what we're saying. Can't count on him for anything. If you come for prayer, I'm going to believe. 
And I hope you will too. Because when we believe for what He wants us to receive, the supernatural comes into play. But if we're not going to believe, then we're not obeying that Scripture. I went through nervous exhaustion because I didn't cast my care on the Lord. I carried my care. And I carried it as a badge of my commitment. I read where that that come upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Well, Paul couldn't keep carrying that. It came on him. You can't keep, what is it? You can't keep a bird from flying over your head. But you can keep it from making a nest in your hair. You can't keep doubting thoughts and fearful thoughts from coming to you, but you don't have to let it settle in and invite it in. i got a birdhouse. I'm trying to chum up a bird in my front yard. i got the prettiest. If I was a bird, I'd move in. Trump Tower ain't got nothing that birdhouse don't have. There's, there's water. Honestly, it's so pretty. If I... If I was a bird, Dave, I'd, I'd move in tomorrow. I'd say, man, I got water right here. I got me some water. I got bird seed right there. I got an umbrella over the whole thing, one of the big umbrellas, and put me in the shade. And on top of that, the reason I know the birds will probably come, there's a big hawk that lives a block over in the top of a tall pine tree. And he comes to the bird bath to drink water. Sometimes he brings part of the rib cage of a bird he has eaten. And he brings, somebody feeds the hawk because sometimes he brings pieces of bread that's stale and hard and he dunks them in the bird bath in the backyard till it softens up and eats them. And the squirrels that come every day, they take off when he comes. And all the little wrens take off when he comes. And the blue jays, they scream and holler, and I don't want to even know what they're saying in bird talk. Can you say amen? But even they take off when he comes. And he'll come and you see his shadow. I had a bird, a mini macaw, that sat on my shoulder. He just sat on my shoulder. We'd go out and feed the squirrels peanuts. I'd put them in my shirt pocket, and he'd sit there and watch, and the squirrel would come up. He'd climb up my leg, get it out of my shirt pocket. And I named the squirrels because some of them had different things, were distinctive. One of them, somebody shot with a pellet gun so many times he had big old places all over him. I called him Lumpy. I said, here come Lumpy. He wanted peanuts. I used to love to sit out there and watch them come. Don't ever hand them one. Their teeth are so sharp. They don't mean to do it, but if they're excited, they can just, because I got bit one time, and he didn't mean to do it, and I forgave him immediately. Can you say amen? <laughs> but I didn't hand him any more peanuts by hand. But one day I was sitting with Davey, my bird. He's sitting on my shoulder. He's a mini macaw. He's about the size of this microphone. He's sitting there on my shoulder, and I, you could feel something just a, that quick and that shadow. And I, out of the corner, and he went, and leaned over on me. And the shadow of that hawk, he wanted my bird. He came for my bird. Bird sitting on my shoulder, and he came for my bird. And my bird, who is not normally loving, lovey-dovey on his daddy, except when he wants a treat. But when he was scared, honey, <laughs> Daddy, Daddy, 
who's who's my daddy now? <laughs> Amen. Amen. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. They that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run. They will run. Now I know I can't get on a basketball court with Brother Hobbs and play like I used to. I mean, you're going to have to get there and play horse. You know, to, remember that game when you get an H and then an O every time and then you spell out horse? You don't remember that. It's an old game. It's before Nintendo. It's before your time. And you see, it's an old thing you wouldn't understand. You will one day. Well, he grew up. When he grew up in his neighborhood, he grew up by Wilma and what's his name? Fred. Fred and Wilma. Yeah. The devil knows. Yeah, we are dinosaurs, my brother. I was actually told that at the Holy Church of God. Guy had been to the brand new country music place that they built, so beautiful and modern. Got out of the old Ryman Auditorium, which used to be a church, and had those natural acoustics within it, even if you mic it. He said, I've been to the brand new Grand Ole Opry. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not like the old Ryman was. It's different. It's too modern. And he said, he said Brother Venable, he said, you're like the old Ryman Auditorium. He said, you're still preaching the old-time gospel of Jesus Christ and you haven't tried to modernize it for, for a new generation. You're just declaring the truth of it to whoever will listen. He said, you're like a dinosaur. And I said, <laughs> I said, thank you very much. Amen. I'll wear the title. Oh, a lady emailed us that came to our website, and she lives quite a ways away. And she said, we attended your church years and years and years ago and described themselves. Do you remember us? I wrote her back. Yes, I do. She said, I'm so glad that there's somebody still preaching God's truth without apology. I'm glad there's somebody declaring the word just as it's written in the Bible. And I said, Hallelujah. I take Listen, you can't put me down by putting me in that camp and put me in that category. But I am not outdated because the Word of God is eternal. It, it saved in the first century. It'll save in the 21st century. It delivered in the first century. It'll deliver in the 21st century. Can you say amen? It's set free in the first century. It'll set free in the 21st century. We don't need a new, improved version. We need the gospel as it's written in the word of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Heaven will pass away. Earth will pass away. But my word will abide forever. Hallelujah. So I said, Lord, show me how to pray. Show me how to build my faith so that when I pray, faith is already there. So 
So if I pray and worry, I haven't believed when I pray. Now that's a tough pill to swallow, but it's true. In all things, with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. Your heart and your mind. That word keep is like a castle with a great moat and a great wall and a drawbridge and big gates. That means fear will come, but it will not be able to enter and set up a stronghold. And David said, what time I'm afraid? I can't keep the birds from flying over my head, but I can keep them from nesting in my hair. What time I'm afraid I will trust in you. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray. When you pray. I was down with the flu. I had the honky flu, and that's not just white folk flu. That's when you just, your head is full. You're running a high fever. You're... I, I can't you know you know how what the flu does. It affects both areas. You throw up everything you eat, you're sick at your stomach, you don't feel like moving. Two men came from our church to lay hands on me and believe when they pray. Well I'm sick as a dog and I certainly want to get better. So they came, and we were living in a little mobile home, and they came, brought a bottle of anointing oil, laid hands on me, and as far as they were concerned, I was fine after they prayed. They laid hands on me, they called on the name of Jesus, and they pronounced me healed. So I'm waiting. In other words, I'm down with that. Can you say, man, I want to be healed, I want to be better, I hate feeling this way. But I'm laying there in the bed, sick as a dog, weak, fever. And they left. They weren't worried no more. They believed when they prayed. But I hadn't got a hold of it. You see? Do you understand? You, we got to get a hold of it. Jesus would ask people, do you believe I'm able to do this thing? Well, if he wanted to do it, what did that matter? Why didn't he just do it? Because he required that they believe. This is his ways. God has set the system up that way. If thou canst believe, thou canst see the glory of God. Did they just sit there and try to believe? No, they just acted on his word and rolled the stone away. Can you say, man? They did the natural by faith. He did the supernatural and raised the dead. Bring him water. We're out of wine. Well, bring me all the jugs of water. What does he want with water? What's the answer? What did Christ's mother tell them to do? She's understanding his ways. Don't try to figure him out. Don't try to figure it out. Take your brain, put it in, a, put it in some alcohol in a jar for five minutes so you can see God move. Amen? Some of you wouldn't have to have a big jar. You put it in a pickle jar. 
I don't pray for me, Matthew. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, you don't need all that brain power to believe. In fact, you need to reduce it. You need to quit thinking so much and just do what the man said. Act on his word. Everybody say, act on his word. They believed I was healed. I needed to believe I was healed. Couldn't just come one way. It had to be both of us in agreement. And I thought, well, if I'm healed, I'm going to get up and I'm going to drink me some ginger ale and I'm going to fix or have Pamela fix me some tomato soup, maybe some oyster crackers. Because if they prayed for me, then I need to react to that some way. Jehovah Rapha has been called upon. They did it right. They didn't stay there all day calling upon the Lord. They prayed the prayer of faith. And the Bible said in James 14, 5, 14, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. No if and but or maybe. So if He's going to raise me up, it's time for me to get up. Well, Brother Venable, when I feel better, I'll get up. Now, let, let, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not asking you to violate a doctor's order. Don't do something silly. Don't get up and fall on the floor and break your arm. But get up on the inside. Jesus came to a man that was laying on a pallet and couldn't get up. And he goes over to the man. And he said, stand on thy feet. Your sins are forgiven. Stand up. Which is it easier for him to say? They question him on that. Thy sins are forgiven or be healed. God can do either or. Do both simultaneously. And the Bible said the man stood up and took up his bed and walked. Couldn't get up until Jesus told him to stand up. Well, he couldn't stand up. But when Jesus said stand up, he acted on his word. And I'm going to submit this to you. He stood up on the inside before he stood up on the outside. Amen? In other words, his spirit rose up in faith. And when his spirit stood up, his body followed suit. Can this formula work for you biblically? Faith involves acting on the Word of God. Acting on the Word of God. Bring him water. What does he want it for? Just whatever he says, do it. Do it. Do it. They brought him water. He turned it to wine. But until they brought him water as an act of obedience by faith, nothing happened. He required that for the supernatural to occur. I got up and I kept down the ginger ale. I got up and I was able to eat the soup. I started getting better from that moment. The fever broke. My strength began to come back. And I knew that when they prayed, God moved. But now it was my move. That's why Joshua said, How long will you be slack to people sitting, 
they're waiting on the Lord, was waiting until God just gave them the land. Why, how long would you be slack to go over and cross over the river and possess the land that the Lord thy God has given you? Amen. It's there for the taking, but you've got to take it. Can you say amen? It's the promised land, but you've got to go over by faith so the promise can be fulfilled to you. It's so vitally important because the brand of faith we've been given is not the faith of the Scriptures. It's not the teachings of Christ because we don't believe when we pray. We try to believe after we have prayed. And the time to believe is when you pray. You will never have peace waiting to see. There are people not here today because they're worried sick. Some of them are backslid, but some people are just worried sick, literally. Their body is sick. Their immune system is compromised. They cannot walk in health. You can pray until you're blue in the face, but they're going to have to do something about fear. They're going to have to do something about the worry that is debilitating them. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. How can that be? We've got to give it to God. And we've got to begin to praise Him. Not after we see a change, but right where we are. Until the answer comes. The worry, the fear. Fear is debilitating. Defrauding God's people of what is ours in Jesus Christ. Can you say man? What did Jesus say again? i got to get it across before we quit and give Him some praise. Whatsoever things you desire... When you pray, believe what? Believe that God can do it? No. If it, believe it's yours if it's yours. Search the Scripture. Find a promise. Get to know the person. Find the promise and get to know the person. Find the promise and get to know the person. Hallelujah. I carried it until it broke me. I carried it until it broke me down. It almost killed me. The doctor that examined me, he said, you, your body, and he put his hand, he was a surgeon, and he put his hand on my chest, and he said, your body, without a stethoscope or anything, he was a, he's a man of God as well, he put his hand on my chest, and he said, your body is like a fuse box that's overloaded. He said, any organ in your body could fail at any time unless you are able to deal with all of the stress that you are carrying. Stress is killing you. Not some disease from without, but something produced from within. So I went to another doctor. Last patient he ever saw in America because he was closing his practice and going through Africa inland missions as a medical missionary he and his wife to spend the rest of their days giving medical help and the gospel to people in Africa he said you're my last patient after you closing shop headed for Africa to live out my days for the Lord Christian guy missionary minded wow he did something you don't see a doctor do. I'm sitting up on that table. You know, you're sitting up on that table with the paper on it. He got up and jumped up on the table beside me. 
I told him about my nerve condition, nervous exhaustion, what the other doctor had said. And I said, I've got to deal with this. And without quitting pastoring, I don't know how to get out from under stress. <laughs> he said, well, here's what we can do. He put his arm over my shoulder. He said, here's what we can do. He said, I can give you medication that is going to help you with the stress. Some anti-anxiety stuff. It will help you. It will help you to sleep. Sleeping on three pillows because of anxiety attacks. Not being able to breathe. Waking up. Going out into the garage with a freedom phone. Didn't have cell phones at that time. And getting down on my hands and knees and talking to the Lord. Trying to get breath. Wondering if I needed to dial 911 to come and get me. How bad is this going to get before it gets better? When that's on you... And then you get back in the pulpit on Sunday and the anointing comes and the devil shows up and said, there you are telling people how to have peace and how to have faith. And where was you this week? On my hands and knees, shaking, not able to sleep. I lost weight without trying. Now I try and can't lose any. Amen. Took my dog to the vet. Took my dog to the vet. He lost a pound and a half because I've been walking him a mile a day. <laughs> I told the vet it ain't fair. Dog lost a pound and a half and I haven't lost any. He said, well, maybe if you got down on all fours for the mile. I said, shut up. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I lost weight until it scared me. I would eat and regurgitate. I wasn't, I wanted to keep it down, but I couldn't. The sun would start going down, and I could feel the anxiety building. That's why when Ruth, Ruth asked us to pray for her son, I said, I'm a good man to pray for that, because I know what it is, and I know it can be conquered. And the guy sitting beside me put his arm around me, and you know something more than a prophecy? More than anything else right at that time, I needed to know that God loved me. And he wouldn't say to me, if you can't run with the big dogs, stay on the porch. Because I'm under the porch. He didn't say to me, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. He said, I love you. And I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you. All the, and through that dark valley, I'm still with you. And I needed to know that. And I needed to know it more than here. I needed to know it in here. And here sat a Christian doctor with his arm around me. And I could just feel Jesus saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. He said, I can give you medication that will help. But it won't solve your problem. Or... Then he brightened up and his eyes glistened. He said, or we can pray. <laughs> wink, wink. We can pray. God's on the throne. God can help you, son. Amen. <laughs> and you know, I was, in a, I was just wondering, I need relief. So, let's pray. That's what he wanted to hear. Because he prayed and believed. He prayed and believed, sitting in that doctor's office. He said, Father, in the name of Jesus, just wrap him up in your love. Heal him right here, right now. Something about how, oh, with his arm around me, praying in compassion and love, more than faith was occurring. I, God was loving me in that prayer. 
Can you say, man, and I felt it, Brother Hart. Well, what happened? Did you never have another problem? No, honey, I had a battle on my hands. Amen. I still had to believe God, and I found out that I didn't have the faith to receive. People had the faith to pray for me, but I didn't have the faith to receive yet. Because of all of these feelings, and it's tough when you're just torn up, and you can't think straight, and you can't focus. I went to back to the church. Nobody there opened up my Bible to the only scriptures that helped me in that condition. It was the Psalms. Because I found a man in the Psalms that said, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. Then I would fly away to that mountain and hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Can you say man? Thought I'm going to go to a crusade in Atlanta. My wife went through it with me. I didn't understand her. Wanted her to just snap out of it until I found out I couldn't just snap out of it. But I learned more about God's grace and God's mercy in that valley than I ever learned on any mountaintop that I've ever been on. I got to know God better and Here's something else that may, you may not understand. My faith grew in that valley because I began to focus on His faithfulness and not just my ability to believe. And when I found out how faithful He was, I found out it didn't take a mountain of faith to move a mountain. Can you say, man, not when you've got a mountain-moving God that you're praying to. Glory be to God. Number one, I was offered medication. I took prayer. Had to believe, had to recognize that I needed my faith built up, had to quit listening to preachers just preaching about how sinful the world is. Because there's no faith in it. I turned off a guy that just wanted to harp on the condition of the world. He's right, but that's not helping me receive. Six months later, that guy. Has drifted away from God. That guy is found in the no-tell motel. That guy has his ministry hurt and tarnished. And I can tell you who that guy is. And I turned off the television because it wasn't no faith at all. The world is sick. The world is going to hell. God's going to judge the world. Yes, He is. And yes, that's true. But there's no faith in that message. None. If you don't pray in faith for the nation, we're not going to see a change in the nation. We've got to have some faith toward God. So I'm bearing down on this just like I bore down on sin and holiness and all the other issues that other people are not preaching. I had to watch what I heard. I had to filter what I heard. I needed somebody to tell me God is faithful. The Word of God is true. God loves you. God is going to help you. Instead of a hotel, so we were looking for that peaceful place. We found a bed and breakfast cheaper than a hotel in Atlanta to go to this meeting in the Omni. We walk into that room, and it's a nice room, and it's homey. Sitting on the table is a bowl of fruit and a bottle of wine. And I'm hurting again. And I don't know if you've ever been tempted before by anything. I never liked wine. Even when I was B.C. If I want grape juice, I don't want it to taste like it's got vinegar in it. 
I want it sweet. I can tell some of you never drank any wine. Makes it look so good. Yuck. My mother drank Mogan David to help her go to sleep. Oh, Mogan David. Guy I worked with drunk, drank wild Russian vanya. If you get the yen for adventure come upon you, drink wild Russian vanya. I thought, get out and get in a car wreck and get arrested for DUI and kill somebody else. I don't have that yen for adventure, thank you. This is just fine. But that wine was there. And I'm going to tell you, when you can't hear from God, it's amazing how clear you can hear the devil. And the devil spoke to me, sure as the world, it was the devil, appealing to my weak flesh and said, if you sip that bottle of wine today, you're asleep like a baby tonight. And it scared my socks off because I was afraid if I gave in and drank that bottle to get relief, it would relieve me. And guess what I would do now? Instead of fighting through this, the good fight of faith. Amen. Just get me a bottle of wine. Don't let nobody see you getting it. Put it in a brown paper sack and bring it to the privacy of my home. Tonight I will sit and drink half that bottle and I'll sleep good tonight. No, no, no. The devil wanted more than to take me out and kill me. He wanted to kill the message of faith that I represent and that I'm bringing to you. Can you say, man, he did not want the testimony that I have. Because I'm not just telling you what the Bible said alone, but I'm telling you how it will work in your life if you release your faith in it. God can set you free from anything. He will set you free from anything. Hallelujah. But you have need of what I had need of. I had need of patience after you've done the will of God that you might receive the promise. Can you say, man, hallelujah, after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For he that shall come will come, and he will not tarry. But you have need of patience that after you believed him, after you've obeyed him, after you've done the will of God, that you might receive the promise. Brother Vimba, how long do I have to wait? When he gives you patience, <laughs> develops your patience, that's not an issue. If you know it's coming, you just wait till it gets there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He that shall come will come has nothing to do with the rapture, the second coming. It has to do with God manifesting the answer. Hallelujah. So I said, honey, she, she, you know what? The devil is telling my wife something. She's going through nervous exhaustion at the same time. She walked out on the fire escape. You know what the devil told her? He wants you to kill yourself. He wants you, he wants you to get so overwhelmed and so hopeless, feel so helpless, that you despair of life itself. By the way, Paul was there. He never considered suicide, but he despaired of life himself. He wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, but he had to learn something about faith and how to trust God. Visions didn't do it. Seeing heaven personally didn't do it. He had to go through a valley with God. And he learned in the valley what he needed to know to take him through everything the devil could throw at him. Can you say, man, hallelujah, hallelujah. My wife out on the balcony or the back porch or the beginning of that fire escape three stories down jump off of here 
you'll go to heaven. And all of the anxiety and all of the pressure will be over. Just, just go to sleep and go to heaven when you break your neck at the bottom. Jump off of here. Told Jesus to jump off the pinnacle. Give me relief. Everybody's not drinking to party. Everybody's not drinking so they can just get a high and get a buzz. There are people drinking for relief. And if they get relief, there's where the addiction comes. That's where the spirit of addiction gets a hold of us. I had to choose prayer over pills. And there's nothing wrong with taking a pill if you need a pill. But the ultimate answer is going to be prayer. And it answered. Alcohol is not the answer. And I said, if I die, I will not die depending on alcohol for my peace. When Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The devil never let up. He'll never let up. He'll never give up. So we got to get some bulldog faith and stand our ground. I wanted to go to the meeting, and I got to hurry and quit, but I wanted to go to the meeting. I got in my car, my wife feeling bad. I had no idea it was as bad as it was for her, but I wanted to get in a meeting and hear something good, something to give me hope, something that I could get a hold of. Amen. And I, I went to that meeting and I thought, I'm not going here to preach. I'm not going to prophesy. I'm going to receive the Word of God. And I want to get in that meeting. And the parking places were all full. And I drove around and around and there's time for the meeting to start. And I'm driving around in circles downtown Peachtree Street, Atlanta, Georgia, near the Omni. I'm driving around in circles. I'm getting low on gas. And I, I don't know where to go to get gas downtown Atlanta or near there. The meeting's done started. And I haven't found a place to park. And the devil again speaks loud and clear. Go home. There's no point. The meeting started. You'll be getting in there late. Just go home and forget about it. In other words, quit waiting upon the Lord. Quit seeking God. Give up. And I said, Lord... I don't care what part of this meeting I get. I'm getting something from God's Word. Boy, if people get that attitude, this place would fill up. Just with the quitters. Just with the quitters it would fill up. I'm not talking about the lost out there. Just the quitters, the Christians who have given up on God and quit. Word of God is not important. Praising God is not important. Nothing's ever going to change. I prayed it didn't happen. There's no point in praying. I drove around one more time. And as I drove around this time, the Lord saw I wasn't going to quit, and the devil saw I wasn't going to listen to him. A car pulled out, and I pulled in. Now, I'm not greatest at parallel parking, especially under stress. And Atlanta will stress you out <laughs> in all that traffic because they don't want to wait for you to back in. But I'm going to tell you that car was like that Tesla thing. It's like it had eyes. It was like it parked itself. I pulled in, perfect parallel parked, got out of my car, went up to the Omni, went up there. The Omni at that time had three double doors going into 
those several thousand people on the inside. I went to the first set of doors and I looked and there were no seats. I went to the second set of doors. I looked, there's no seats. The preaching has begun. I went to the next set of doors and there are no seats. And I walked back to the lobby, pondered what to do. And the devil says, go home, go home. There's not even any seats left. Just go on and get out of here and go. Get away from the Word. Get away from the anointed Word of God. Do not expose yourself to the Word, whatever you do. Amen. That's what he was saying. And I was standing there. And back then I was younger. So the lady that came up to me didn't come up to me. because You know, this was a mother type lady. At that time she was in her 60s somewhere and she came up to me. She said... Are you looking for a seat? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, do you believe that God speaks to people today? I said, yes, ma'am, I do. She said, well, God spoke to us about you. I said, what do you mean? But now, she got my full attention. Can you say, man, God talking to you about me? What's he saying? What's he saying? Can you say, man, hallelujah. Man, I'm listening now. She said, me and two other ladies got here early to make sure we had a seat for us and our friend. We got four seats down front. We sat down and we put a Bible in the seat for our friend. We were sitting there till the place filled up waiting for our friend. Our friend did not show up. The meeting has started. They're singing and our friend did not show up. And ushers made an announcement between the singing before the minister came out. And the usher said, if you have a seat near you, raise your hand. We got people standing up in the back. And said, I started to put up my hand, and my Christian sister beside me grabbed me by the arm and said, No, don't put up your hand. God just told me that that seed is saved for somebody He will show us. What? Can you save? What? God saved me a seat down front. She said, go out in the lobby and God will show you a man that's supposed to sit in this seat. She said, I walked out here and saw you. Do you need a seat? I said, yes, ma'am, I do. She said, come with me. You're the one. (laughs) Hallelujah. I went down front. You see, if you want to seek God and you won't give up, God will move people. God will move circumstances. Oh, oh yeah. Don't get that attitude if you can't run with the big dogs. Stay on the porch. I can't run with the big dogs. I don't care. God loves me. Hallelujah. His eye is on the sparrow. I know He's watching me. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. I'm no big dog. I'm a little lamb. (laughs) Glory to God. Woo! I sat on the front seat without distraction. 
I couldn't see who was going to the restroom. I couldn't see the kids that were acting up. I couldn't hear anything else. My focus was on the man of God and the Word of God. And guess what I heard? The things, I preached it a thousand times. The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. I said, Lord, have mercy. I know that in my mind. But something clicked down in here. Did you get immediately healed of that nervous condition? No. But I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. And it wasn't a freight train. Can you say that? It was victory in Jesus. But from that day forward, there was hope in my heart. And faith, as it grew, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Can you say man? And when God developed hope within me, and faith began to grow in me, faith grew to a point that one day, hope was able to reach into the unseen and grab a hold of something real and bring it out here into my life. Glory be to God. Amen. And the first night that I slept, we, we got so bad about not getting sleep that we'd wake up and say, wow, I slept for four hours straight. Woo! What victory! When you spend months and you sleep two hours, you sleep a half an hour, you, you just fill with all of that fatigue and anxiety, and then you carry your family's burdens, the church's burdens. After a while, it wears you down. But down in that deep valley, I discovered the shepherd's love and watch care. Down in that deep, dark valley, I discovered the power of his presence, his grace, and his mercy. And I begin to put my faith in His faithfulness. And when I did, the peace of God began to counteract the anxiety and the fear and the worry. And when that peace began to settle in, and I could commit it to God and give it to And I'm not done doing this. It's not a one-time thing. I get stuff layered in. I have to go right back and commit it to the Lord. Hallelujah. In everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. And when those other things don't enter in to choke the Word, when those other things don't enter in to choke the Word, guess what? It brings forth fruit. 30, 60, and 100 fold. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Listen, God don't love me more than he loves you. God will save you a seat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. He'll help you find a place to park. My uncle was a pastor for over 20 years. Rose up to the highest for his age group that you could get as a district overseer in his denomination youngest man to achieve that went through a terrible divorce lost his ministry fell away from God turned to painkillers became addicted would mash them up in a saline solution go to three doctors with bad back to get the painkillers you will lie cheat steal once you become addicted 
things you thought you would never do, you will find yourself doing. You will become another person, and the devil knows it. Gave himself so many shots in the arm with mashed up Valium that his veins collapsed. I never saw track marks. I didn't, I basically knew what they were. When a vein collapsed, it leaves like a, a place where it was that's indented. But when he put on a t-shirt and I saw him without a long sleeve shirt, I saw where the veins were collapsed. He began to give himself shots in his bottom until those old needles start messing you up and he got messed up. Ended up in a hospital with delirium tremors coming off of painkillers and vodka. He began to drink the vodka. I used to get called at 2 o'clock in the morning to go to my grandmother's and he would be on his hands and knees rocking back and forth, hitting his head on the headboard. Bobby, can you come and pray for this man of God? He used to have lunch with David Wilkerson. He had a radio ministry, pastored a church of 800, and now he's the one that is in the chains. He's the one that is in the fix. So what I'm talking about today I've lived through. I know what the devil wants to do. And I know what God will do. If we'll put our trust in him. And there's no hopeless cases with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Peace is achievable. But you've got to trust him to get it. Can you say man? Glory be to God. My uncle sit in the back. The back of our church on a Wednesday night. And I preached on the efficacy of the blood of Jesus. What it had done. And he rededicated his life to the Lord. God set him free from every addiction. Glory be to God. He wanted to use our Sunday school classes to give counseling to anybody that he could counsel. He asked me for books so he could refresh himself. And I had to study helps and Bible helps. He had an old long Cadillac, worked as a security guard down on South 39 at a phosphate mine. Coming back from that phosphate mine because he had tore his body down so far, he fell asleep at the wheel, was killed instantly. His son identified his daddy's body and said, there wasn't a mark on my daddy. There was no blood. There was nothing crushed. It was internal, but it, he, it was instant. The truck driver that hit him said he saw him nodding off at the wheel and he thought he was going to be okay. He tried to move his truck over, but it was a tractor trailer. And when he went this way, the car swerved that way and it hit it. Truck driver came to the funeral, expressed condolences to the family. And in the back of the Cadillac were those books that I gave him and a testimony that he had come back to Christ and he had rededicated his life to the Lord. And he said, Bobby, I don't know if I'll ever qualify to preach again. Well, he could have because grace is, grace is that powerful. Can you say, man? Yes, it is. He didn't know about it. He heard about grace. Most of, of the teaching of his church was exterior holiness and not interior. It had more to do with the outside of us than the inside of the heart.
And he had no faith, therefore. He didn't think God would forgive him and God would restore him, but God both forgave him and restored him. I took him to a full gospel businessmen's meeting 30 days before he went home to be with the Lord. And we walked outside and tears were streaming down his cheeks. And he said, Bobby, he said, I believe God's going to... He must have had that premonition from the Lord. He said, I believe God's going to take the mantle that is on me all those years to preach, and he's going to put that mantle on you. And he said, he said, Bobby, son, he said, there's nothing worth the anointing. The anointing is more precious than anything the devil will offer you in this world. Don't ever take the bait. Preserve that anointing. It's so precious and it's so powerful. With tears, he was telling me that. He's with the Lord, but I believe his mantle's right here with me. Glory be to God. Whatever mantle I have, another one's been layered on to it because I don't have to think about what I'm going to say next. I have to be saying Lord help me to quit before these people fall out from a sugar drop. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 And, and Matthew said yes Lord help him to quit. Amen. Yes Lord. We had agreement here this morning. What I'm telling you is if you set yourself to seek the Lord he will, he will help you find him. He will help you find it. He'll save you a seat in the front row. He will, he will enlighten you. He will quicken His Word to you. He will put somebody in your life to put their arm around you. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. He will honor you and help you and He will not abandon you. Praise God. And you'll discover the lily of the valley. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And something is occurring here today. Out of weakness, out of weakness, people are being made strong. And some of you that have been down in those deep, dark valleys and wondered, would God hear your cry? Amen. Now you're convinced. Not only did He hear it, He's going to answer. Hallelujah. We used to sing, when I feel a little prayer wheel churning, turning, I know a little fire is burning. And just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Hallelujah. All right. All right. All right. All right. Just a little talk with Jesus. If you pray and believe, God said you're going to receive. Believe that you receive. Believe that you receive. Believe that you receive. And you shall have whatsoever you desire. Find the will of God. Get a hold of a promise. Get to know the person who made it. When you pray, believe. God going to prosper you, girl. <laughs> God is going to prosper you. Amen. Amen. I said something out under the anointed you about your business. It still goes. It's been a long time coming, but it's coming. Glory be to God. Amen. Because I just don't do that unless I'm unctioned by the Spirit to do that. But it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Glory be to God. It's coming. He that shall come will come, and he will not Terry, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Given it shall be given unto you, shaken together, pressed down, running over. Men shall give unto your bosom. Hallelujah. It's coming. 
It's coming. It's coming. Healing is coming. Don't give up on God. Hallelujah. My uncle, before he got, after he got saved, he said there's an evangelist coming to Tampa. Curtis Hickson was the place for the meeting. He went to Curtis Hickson. He drove around. Couldn't find a parking space. He told my daddy, I believe if I can get in that meeting, God will heal me. This is how crucial all this is. He drove around, couldn't find a parking space, same as I did in Atlanta. Got discouraged, turned around, came back home. What if he had kept on seeking God, waiting on the Lord? Parked four blocks away, getting under the Word of God. He said, I believe if I can get in that meeting, Bob, I believe God will heal me. My body, He's already saved me, forgiven me. I believe He'll heal me. But He came home, and His body stayed broken. I'm not criticizing Him. I'm saying the devil wants to cheat you out of what God wants to give you. But it requires some effort on your part. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Don't let the devil do you wrong. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's lift Him up. Will you stand up today? Did you get anything out of this message?